Turn with me in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. It is not a book about brewing coffee. Hebrews. Just wait till next week when we get to see Aquila and Priscilla again. I bring up the intense dad joke. Prepping you. Prepping you now. Hebrews chapter 12. This morning we're hitting the pause button on our study through the book of Acts today. And on our seventh anniversary service, we're going to be taking a special look at a study I've titled Running the Race. At the beginning of last year, the Lord put a passage of scripture on my heart. I shared at our Vision Sunday. It was the second Sunday of January in 2020. And at the time, all these, you know, it was kind of like the Christian cliche among churches. 2020 vision. Year 2020. People had their vision studies. 2020 vision. There is no way any of us had 2020 vision. None of us knew what was going to happen as I shared these things, two months, well, literally just two months later, what was down the pipe with the uh, shelter in place uh, happening and all the stuff that's followed. And, but as I, as the Lord put a passage of scripture on my heart last year, it wasn't a word or wasn't a phrase as God has given me at different points in the past for our church, but It was this passage of Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 2. How it connected to us fulfilling the vision and mission that God's given us as a church, which is very simple. Our mission, our vision as a church is to love God, equip his saints, and reach the lost. It's very simple. The first one seems like a no-brainer, but it's in there because it's the most important of all of them. We love him. Two months later, again, the shelter-in-place happens, online format for 14 weeks. We begin meeting in person again outside June 21st of last year. And I just, I remember thinking how badly we needed to hear at the beginning of of the year to stay focused on Jesus, to run with his vision and mission with endurance, because there's been a lot of hard things that we've had to endure through. There's been no end to the amount of things to distract us from staying focused on Jesus. But how badly we still need to be reminded to run with endurance endurance the race that's been set before us looking unto Jesus. Not just as we continue in this crazy season and time and history, but also as we move into our eighth year of ministry here at Calvary Chapel Walnut Creek. I'm not a big numerology guy, a numbers guy, but biblically, the number seven represents completion. The number eight represents new beginnings. And I see God doing this with our church family right now, that there's a a newness, a freshness in this season as we're now starting this new chapter into our eighth year of ministry that I'm really excited about. I'm excited about the excitement of our church to be involved in small groups, to have five different groups that have upwards of 10 adults each. That is like, for where we're at as a church, that is incredible participation. 
That's like off the charts. That's like stuff that churches don't normally see. And this is, for me, part of this new thing, this new, fresh thing that God's doing is not a new idea. It's a getting back to the essentials sort of thing. It's just being about biblical Christianity and just kind of getting back to the things that we know that God wants to do and seeing us grow and flourish and become fruitful individually and, and, and also corporately. I want to give us some encouragements. This isn't a vision message at all. Not even, this isn't a revisitation of what I shared the beginning of last year in our vision study. But I want to give us some encouragements and exhortations from this passage in Hebrews 12, verses 1 through 2, that are for each of us individually, but also for our church corporately. These things are for us to grab a hold of and to seek to live out by faith as we enter this new year of ministry, but also as we just continue in, in life individually. So Hebrews 12, verses 1 and 2, we're going to read that. It says, Hebrews 12, 1, Therefore we also... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. The writer of the book of Hebrews begins chapter 12 by saying, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. This leads me to the first of five points of encouragement and exhortation that we're going to consider throughout our study this morning. The, the first point of encouragement and exhortation on running the race in this new year of ministry is that number one, we should be strengthened by the faith of others and by the faithfulness of our God. We should be strengthened by the faith of others and we should be also strengthened by the faithfulness of our God. See, the examples given to us in the portion of Scripture that we call the Hall of Faith in Hebrews chapter 11 aren't there so that we feel like our faith is too small to do anything for God in comparison with those in Scripture. No, those people, those, that cloud of witnesses are, are in the stands, so to speak, cheering us on to run the race that God has set before us and to run well. When we look at those in chapter 11, people like Abraham and Sarah and Jacob and Moses and, and others. These people who are noted for their faith in God. We, we see that many of these people were not always faithful to God. And some of them are known just as much as for their failures as for their faith. You ever read through that and a name just kind of like, catch you off guard for me it's samson as i'm reading through the hall of faith and jephthah and barak and samson i'm like samson really lord I'm trying to catch the 
What did you see in him? What? God saw something. God saw something in Samson to have his name preserved for us in that portion of scripture as a person of faith. I don't know about you, but that's hugely encouraging. Because oftentimes I just look at my lack of faith, or we might look at our lack of faith and think, God, how could you want to do anything with my life? How could you even love me, Lord? How could you want me around? And yet God sees deeper. He sees into our heart. He sees past our failures. He sees past our weaknesses. And he sees that thing that is more precious than gold that's refined by the fire. And that's our faith. But these people, oftentimes, that we see here, again, they're, they're known just as much for their failures as for their faith. But when we look at those who have gone before us, we not only see their faith and failures, we also see God's faithfulness to imperfect people who loved him and wanted to live for him. Guys, know that there's a strengthening work that God is wanting to do through the lives of others who are seeking to run the race as they testify to us of the faithfulness of God in their lives. And God's wanting to use our witness, our testimony of what he's done in our lives to strengthen others to keep running the race too. When we're reminded of the faithfulness of God in our lives, in the lives of others we know, or in the lives of those we read in the pages of Scripture, it, it strengthens our faith. It strengthens my faith to see Samson there. It strengthens my faith to see Moses there. I mean, Moses is the guy, the burning bush. He's like, Lord, can't you find somebody else? I'm not good at talking, Lord. Come on, Moses. You grew up in Pharaoh's home, dude. You had like the best education possible. He probably spoke fine. But he made excuses. Moses. These things, these people, others in our lives, even now that we speak to, they... When, they're, when they remind us of the faithfulness of God, it strengthens our faith. It gives us greater confidence to trust in the Lord and his promises and his word in the present and in the future. And that strengthening is necessary for our church corporately too as we seek to navigate these crazy times. That in remembering his faithfulness these past seven years, we would be strengthened to trust him and keep moving forward by faith in this new year of ministry. Guys, each one of you is a part of God's story of faithfulness here in this church. Each one of you and so many of you have been used by the Lord in my life personally to strengthen me to keep going. When things are hard, when I'm not seeing fruit, maybe outwardly, 
and how badly we need each other, the faith of each other. I think more and more what becomes evident is that the testimony of God's faithful, faithfulness in our lives, we need to be emboldened to share more. Share. Share what God's done in your life. Share how God's shown up in your life, in your circumstances. How he's not failed you, how he's provided for you, how he's strengthened you, how he's comforted you, how he's given you victory in areas of your life. Share that with other people, whether they're a believer or unbeliever. Share it. Sometimes we have a hard time feeling like I have the right words in sharing the gospel. And we do need to demystify that a bit to just bring it back to its simplicity of Christ and him crucified. But guys, there's power in sharing about how God has been faithful in our lives. There's something when sharing with an unbeliever of sharing what God's done that speaks of the reality and the power of this God that they haven't believed in yet. They can have a profound impact on someone else. But guys, for us as believers, as we're going through this season, how important it is for us to be looking for those opportunities to strengthen one another's faith by sharing of God's faithfulness. Can I challenge us in that, in this season, to be emboldened, to share about the faithfulness of God? I want to hear how God is being faithful in your life. I want to hear how God's been faithful in the past because that strengthens me to trust God in the present. And it's going to, trust, and it's going to strengthen others as well. This is part of us running the race. We need that cloud of witnesses. We need one another. But after calling us to consider that cloud of witnesses, the writer of Hebrews continues in verse 1 by saying, Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And this leads me to our next point this morning. The second point of encouragement and exhortation on running the race in this new year of ministry is that we have to recognize and lay aside hindrances, distractions, and sins. You know, there are many different athletes and different kinds of athletes and different sports who will train with wearing weights. But none of those athletes keeps the, the weights on them once it's time to actually compete, to play their game, to run the race when it starts, because those weights would just be a hindrance. That weight could be the difference between them winning or losing. And so for us in this race of faith, there are things that, become, that can become weights. And I want us to notice that there's two distinctions made there. He says weights, and then he says sins. So not all the weights are sins. There can be things that aren't necessarily sins. 
that we can allow into our lives, that we can give ourselves over to, uh, over to, that actually weigh us down, that hinder us, that distract us from being able to run the way that the Lord has called us to. He's called us to run unhindered. But how easy it is, is it for us to heap the weights on ourselves? And it could be all kinds of different things. Right? I mean, I don't, I, if I start naming stuff, I could probably go on for like a long time. Think about the things that aren't necessarily sins that weigh upon you, that hinder you, that slow you down in your walk, that, that distract you from those things that the Lord has actually called you to, has called me to. We're to recognize those things that have become weights, recognize those things that have become a distraction, those things that have become a hindrance in our lives, and we are to lay those things aside. We're to cast them off. You know, I think that recognizing part is often the hard part of it. Because sometimes we, we know that we're weighing ourselves down with things, but we don't want to acknowledge that those things have become an unhealthy part of our lives. Because then there's a responsibility to respond in change, making some alterations to maybe what we're allowing into our lives, what we're spending our time on, what we're giving ourselves over to. But man, how great it is when we cast those things off to be able to actually embrace what God has called us to in, in living a life of unhindered running. Along with those weights, though, we're, we are to recognize any sin that we've given ourselves over to, that we've let have a place in our lives, and we're to cast those sins off, too. We're to confess them. We're to repent of those, of those sins because they will ensnare us. They'll cling to us. They'll trip us up. But there's another part of this that actually involves other believers who are running the race of faith alongside of us. I want us to notice, look at verse 1, and, and, and notice all the times we see the words we and us. We and us. There, there's an element here and with the things we're looking at throughout this passage where these things are to be worked out in community with other believers. It's not just you alone. It's you plus others. It's me plus other believers. Check out what Paul in his final letter at the end of his life to Timothy wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22. He told Timothy there, 
Flee also youthful lusts, but pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace. Notice, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. Timothy, at this point in his life, would have probably been in his 30s. He's not a 15-year-old kid. And Paul's telling him, Timothy, you flee youthful lusts. Because those lusts, those natural, carnal desires that often characterize our youth, those things that we don't flee from will follow us through the rest of our lives and continue to be a snare to us if we don't flee them, if we don't find victory over them. I've met people in late stages of their life, 70s, 80s, who are still struggling with the sin of pornography. And oftentimes we think of that as that youthful sort of thing. Oh, that's more the young people struggle with that. But when it's not, when we don't flee from it, the youthful lusts will become lusts of our old age. They'll become the sins of our old age. To flee. But the race of faith, please understand this, isn't just fleeing sin. Does that sound like a very joy-filled, victorious life? Just flee! What if all we got in Scripture was, flee from sin? We'd be like, I'm just running all the time. I'm running for my life. Trying not to sin. I'm just fleeing, and I'm fleeing. Flee, flee, flee. Flown, flee, flee, flow, flee. I'm fleeing, but it's not just fleeing. We're also to be pursuing We flee sin and we're to pursue right things, righteousness, faith, love, peace. Again, with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. As we flee sinful things and pursue godly things, we need others, need other believers alongside of us. Those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. This is meaning that we have other believers who are serious about the Lord too. Not just people who are Christian in name, but there's nothing Christian about their life. People who are calling on the Lord. They're crying out to the Lord. They have a, a heart that's pure before the Lord. Pursue with those people. Those people who can help us Flee the wrong things and pursue the right things and us doing the same in their life. I want to encourage each of us in this new year of ministry, but also in our lives individually, lay aside, cast off the weights and the sins that so easily ensnare. Don't allow those things to have a place in your life any longer. 
Why would you keep the weight there? Why would you allow the sin to stay there? When God has provided victory and freedom in a life that's unhindered, unburdened for you and me. Why would we stay in that place? Bring those things to the Lord. Cast them to the Lord. Confess them to the Lord. Repent. Turn away from those things and watch what God does. Lay those things aside and find others who are calling on the Lord out of a pure heart to run this race of faith with. Not only will this help us live unhindered and undistracted individually, it'll impact the purity and effectiveness of our church corporately. But after calling us to lay aside every weight of the sin which so easily ensnares us, the writer of Hebrews continues in verse 1 by saying, And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. This leads me to our next point this morning, the, the third point of encouragement and exhortation on running the race in this new year of ministry is that we have to embrace the race and we all need endurance. Understand that the Christian race begins the moment that you and I put our faith, our trust in Jesus for salvation. If you know Jesus personally, you're already in it. You're already on the race. You're on the track. And it's not about speed, but about endurance, about faithfulness, about finishing the race we've begun. And none of us knows how long our race will be, but it's, it's not about the distance, the amount of time we've been given, but about how we use the time we've been given that matters to the Lord. This reminded me, though, of what Paul wrote to the believers in the church of Philippi in Philippians chapter 3, verses 7 through 14. Chunk of scripture there, but Paul writing to the believers, he said, But what things were gained to me, these I have counted loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things lost for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, literally dung, that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Paul, why did you have to say that? Being conformed to his death, if by any means I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. He goes on to say, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Clearly, 
Paul embraced the race that Jesus had set before him. Listen to what he said. I counted all things lost. I pressed on. Forgetting the things behind. I'm reaching forward. That word reaching forward literally means to strain with every ounce of his being. Pressing toward the goal for the prize. You know, many believers aren't able to embrace and be fully engaged with what God is doing right now because they're focused on what they once had in the past. Or focused on what they've gained that they don't want to lose. Or focused on what they feel that they've lost. Paul was writing these things from prison. He was awaiting trial to go before Caesar Nero in Rome where he could have been sentenced to death. And yet even from that place of being in chains, he fully embraced what God was doing in the present, we see that in what he writes in Philippians chapter 1, where he told the Philippian believers that the things that had happened to him were actually for the furtherance of the gospel. What kind of eternal perspective does someone need to be able to say that while they're in chains waiting for a horrible Roman emperor and dictator who hated Christians? These things have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Like, what, Paul? What? Are you sure about that? We see it in him saying that it had become evident in that chapter. It had become evident to the whole palace guard and all the rest that his chains were in Christ. And that because of his gospel intentionality, in spite of his imprisonment, that most of the other believers became even more confident because of his chains and had an even greater boldness to speak the word without fear. You know, if Paul had become focused on and consumed with what he had lost in his imprisonment, focused on the restrictions that were now placed on him, he wouldn't have been able to embrace this fresh and powerful work that God was doing through his chains at that very moment where the gospel was being furthered and believers were being emboldened. Guys, embrace the difficulties in this season. Embrace them. I'm not saying you have to be happy about all the stuff. But embrace it. Let's not be those who are just complaining and we're looking back at what we had in February of last year. Man, this stuff was so much better. Better or not, this is where we're at. And God has things that he's wanting to do right now that we are going to miss out on if we are looking back if we're mourning continually what we've lost, if we're so distracted by what, by what we don't want to lose, we will miss what God's doing right now, what he's putting before us right now, the people he's placed around us right now. 
There's something fresh that God is wanting to do by His Spirit right now in the midst of this season that we need to embrace wholeheartedly. We're not going to gain the sort of perspective that, that Paul had unless we're able to gain the sort of divine, eternal perspective that... See, that we could amen. You guys could amen louder than the kids in there. I'm just saying, we need a little bit more Southern Baptist in our church, I think, on Sunday mornings. Just, you have permission. I feel like I've given you permission in the past, but you have it. Like, don't hesitate. You want to say amen? Yes, Lord. Praise God. Yes, do it. <clears throat> but God's doing something. Embrace the race right now. But along with embracing the race and all that comes along with that, the good and the bad, we all need endurance as we seek to run the race that's been set before us. But here's the thing about endurance that none of us probably like. It's built by going through hardships going through difficulty and trials and suffering and persecution. To endure means to remain firm under suffering or misfortune without yielding or giving in. See, instead of hardships and difficulty and trials and suffering and persecution hardening us, making us hardened people, God wants to build into us a spiritual firmness, a spiritual toughness, so to speak, so that we're able to bear up under those things as we run the race he set before us and not give up. And this is another area where God wants to use other believers in our lives and us in other believers' lives as we all run this race of faith alongside each other, that we would be able to encourage one another to keep enduring to keep on running to not give up because it's gonna be hard we wouldn't be told to run with endurance if there wasn't a an understanding that there was going to be stuff to have to endure through as we run but what a blessing that we can have other believers in our lives who can come alongside us as we're bearing up under difficulty to help bear our burdens, to help spur us on, to keep on going, to keep on looking to Jesus. I need that. And so do you. But after calling us to run with endurance the race that's set before us, the writer of Hebrews continues in verse 2 by saying, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And this leads me to our next point, fourth point of encouragement and exhortation on running the race in this new year of ministry and in our lives individually is that we must 
stay focused on Jesus. See, while we have a responsibility in how we run this race, laying aside weights and sins, running with endurance, seeing that we're in a race that's been set before us, the focus of the race isn't to be on us. The focus is to be on Jesus. To be on Jesus. This passage of Hebrews 12 is a reminder of where our vision is to be fixed and where our vision for life is to be found, and that's Jesus Christ. He's not only who we're to stay focused on, he's also the one we're to be taking all of our cues from. The one who's the head of the church is the one we're to be following and submitting our lives in this church to. We aren't running for us. We are running for Jesus with our eyes on Jesus, seeking to be faithful to run the race. He's set before us, staying in our lane and not quitting. And as we're running this race, we're to encourage and build up and be about our fellow runners, our fellow believers, because we're all on the same team. Amen. Yeah. Perfect timing. But notice that we're given Jesus's life as our example. The one who is the author and finisher of our faith is the one who became a man to walk among us. He's the one who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Because all of that was worth it to him to save us from our sins, save us from an eternity in hell, to be able to make us his own. And not only that, but he's the one who has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God, that place of honor where he ever lives to make intercession for you and me as our great high priest. You know what the amazing thing of us looking unto Jesus is that Jesus has never stopped keeping his eyes off of us. We lose focus on Jesus all the time. I mean, when we're sleeping, for example, there's a chunk of time there. We're not actively, okay, Jesus, I'm going to stay focused on you. We're just sleeping our life away. We're dreaming about weird things. We ate some pizza or something weird and it affected our dreams and a sausage ate us in our sleep, stuff, you know, there's times where we don't, we're not always looking unto Jesus, but know this, Jesus is always looking at us. His eyes are on us. He's thinking about us. His thoughts toward us are more numerable than the sands that are upon the seashore. Jesus if we wanted to put it in modern terminology, he's obsessed with us. He loves us. He's all about us. There is nothing more valuable to, to Jesus than you and me. We were so valuable that he gave up his own life to purchase our freedom, to redeem us. We're looking to him as our example, we're looking to him 
as the one who's the author and finisher of our faith, the one who will be faithful to complete the good work that he's begun in us, but he's already looking at us. His eyes are upon us. The joy that was set before him was him knowing he was going to gain us. I don't know about you, but I don't feel like I'm much of a prize most of the time. I know what I'm like. I know what I'm like in the morning. I know what I'm like when I'm feeling grumpy. I know what I'm like when I'm just like, I want to just, I don't want to talk anymore. I use all my words for the whole week on Sunday morning. Seriously. <clears throat> but to us, we were a prize. To, uh, to him, to him, we're a prize. That he would willingly give his life up for us. That he would look at the cross, he despised the shame. The shame wasn't enough to make him go, you know what, I don't, I don't want to do this. No, you and I were worth it to him. This amazing servant, savior, king, high priest, creator God who gave everything in order to gain us is the one we're told to look to as we run with endurance the race that's been set before us. We look to the only faithful one because he will never fail us. Guys, even when we are faithless, he will remain faithful still because he can't deny himself as Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 2 verse 13. He can't deny himself because it's who he is. He's faithful. We look to the one who alone can give us what we need to keep going. Keep running the race. The one who alone gives our life any sort of meeting. The one who alone can satisfy the deepest longings of our soul. The one we're looking to is not just high priest, creator, God, savior. He is the bread of life. He is the living water. He is the door of the sheep. He is the shepherd of the sheep he is the way the truth and the life jesus is everything he's the one who is our hope who is our peace who loves us with an everlasting love and he who is with us no matter what we face guys we must stay focused on jesus there are a million things to distract us from doing that, and we can't let them. We can't. Stay focused on Jesus. This leads us to our fifth and final point of encouragement and exhortation on running the race in this new year of ministry, which is that we need to point others to Jesus. See, the natural, supernatural progression of us looking unto Jesus is that we will begin then to look outside of ourselves and want to see others loving Jesus and looking to Jesus and living 
for Jesus also. But we won't catch the heart of Jesus, which is for people, if we aren't staying near to the heart of Jesus continually. I want to share one last passage of Scripture this morning that I believe is a, a, a needed reminder as we move into this new year of ministry. Again, uh, or not again, but check out what we're told in First Corinthians. Sorry, First Corinthians. I'm just saying weird stuff now. Acts. Check out what we're told in Acts, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, and then verse 8. It says there in verse 4 of Acts chapter 1, being assembled together with them as disciples, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which, he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now, in verse 8. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Guys, he knows that we need the empowering of his spirit. He knows that. He knows what we can produce in our own strength. And he doesn't need that. He knows that we need his power and he wants to give us the empowering of his spirit so that we can be faithful ambassadors representing Jesus in this world, pointing, pointing others to Jesus, sharing the gospel of Jesus with other people. He has power for us to be his witnesses, but you know what? It's going to require faith on our part to, to step out by the leading of the Holy Spirit to share the gospel, the good news of Jesus with those he's placed around us. And it's going to require us receiving the love of Jesus for others, which only comes as we abide in Jesus daily. Listen, running a race requires movement. You ever heard of someone running the race, but they weren't actually running? We don't say they're running the race, right? We just say they're sitting. It requires movement. It requires effort and energy and time and involvement and commitment. As a community of disciples of Jesus who are running this same race of faith together, it requires us to stay focused on Jesus. Requires unity, requires faith, requires endurance. And it requires a continual dependency by every single one of us upon the Holy Spirit of God. Look, God is not done working here. There's new things he's wanting to do. There's new ventures of faith that he's going to call us to embark upon. So we've all got to keep our eyes on Jesus as we run this race of faith together. I have the worship team come up. Guys, today we get to celebrate the faithfulness of Jesus to our church these past seven years. And I pray that we keep these things that we've looked at this morning in the front of our minds, that we seek to apply them 
to our lives by faith and the empowerment of the Spirit as we move forward together in unity, running this race together with endurance as we keep looking unto Jesus in this next year of ministry and in our lives individually. I'm excited. I really am. I'm excited about what the Lord might do. I'm not assuming what he's going to do. God's going to save a thousand people this next year through our ministry. I would love to see that happen. I'd pray that. But I'm not going to assume that. I really believe, as I shared several weeks back, as we looked at 2 Kings 19, that God's been doing this deepening work. There's been growth happening. But it's been a deepening sort of growth, a maturing sort of growth that's necessary so that upward and outward growth can take place, so that greater outward fruitfulness can happen here. And I'm excited for that. I'm excited for what God's preparing us for. Knowing that the Spirit of God is always wanting to draw people to Jesus Christ. And He's wanting to use us to be a part of that. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word this morning. God, we're thankful, Lord, for what you've done over these past seven years. Lord, we could spend hours talking about all the different ways, Lord, that you've shown up. Lord, since this church just started as a little home Bible study in our tiny living room. God, all the ways that you've opened doors, Lord, all the ways that you've comforted and strengthened and answered prayers and brought people to salvation and encouraged and equipped your your saints for the work of ministry. Growing in the grace of Jesus. Lord, I'm thankful for what you've done. And God, I'm, I'm, I'm excited. I'm prayerful, Lord, about what you still will do. God, as we enter into this eighth year of ministry, Lord, I pray that this would truly be a time of new beginnings, Lord, new things, a fresh work of your spirit, Lord God, in our hearts, in this church, Lord, in our communities. God, that we would see lost people find salvation in Jesus Christ. Lord, that we would be emboldened Lord, to testify of your faithfulness. Lord, to, to, to share the good news about Jesus. Lord, that we would come alongside one another in this race of faith. Lord, helping strengthen one another. Lord, helping cast off, Lord, and, and flee the things that need to be Fleed from, God, that you would, Lord, help us, Lord, to know how to come alongside and in, in encouraging in those times where difficulty and trials and suffering and hardships are happening, Lord, that we would encourage through the 
those difficulties, Lord, to keep enduring, to keep looking to Jesus. And Lord, will we keep our eyes upon you? Lord, will we not get distracted? Lord, will we not get caught up with things that, Lord, have no spiritual or eternal value, Lord, that we wouldn't allow those things, Lord, to deter us, Lord, to hinder us from fully embracing, Lord, what you're doing right now, Lord, what you're wanting to do. Lord, will we keep our focus on Jesus, Lord, and will we point others to you? Be about your gospel. Be about your commission, Lord. Be about your kingdom. Be about our true king. Lord, we need you. We need your grace. Lord, we need the empowering of your spirit. Lord, would you fill us? And Lord, would you lead us in this new year of ministry? Lord, accomplish everything that you desire. Lord, would you do exceedingly abundantly above all that we can ask or think to your glory and your church, both now and forever. But look, if you're here this morning and you don't just first know Jesus personally, I would love to give you an opportunity to make that decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to receive his forgiveness, receive his salvation. That anybody here this morning, if that's you, would you stand where you're at? I'd love to pray for you. Maybe this morning, some of you, as we consider running the race, have recognized that, you know what? You've become a little paralyzed in the race, or maybe you've been sort of on the sidelines. Maybe you felt crippled by just the difficulties of this season. And today the Lord's calling you to get back up and keep moving forward, to keep running and to not give up. I just encourage you in your own heart just to, to press into the Lord this morning. He will meet you where you're at. And Father, we just commit the rest of our service to you this morning. God, would you continue, Lord, to receive your praise, Lord, receive the honor and glory that's due to your name. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.